0: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigget are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm in Orlando, Florida for the MLS All-Star Game. And I am currently about to drive to the homegrown game at the ESPN Wild World of Sports. And I figured it would be more efficient to record this podcast while I'm driving than to wait until I get there. Because it's been a little bit busy the past few days. I'm sure if you are a, a supporter of the team, you've read Leandro Gonzalez-Perez's comments. Uh, in which he came across as critical of Frank DeBoer's tactics. Uh, communication, and some other issues. Those came on Monday to a a reporter covering the game uh, for the MLS soccer website, a guy named Mike, uh, who normally uh, works out of Orlando. Mike's a good guy. I've known him for a while. Um, So I spoke to Leandro on Tuesday to ask him if there's anything he wanted to clarify, to ask if he'd been quoted correctly correctly. He said he had, um, but then stressed that he has no problems with manager Frank DeBoer. Um, the question he was asked was how is it different than under Tata, the previous manager, Gerardo Martino, who led Atlanta United to an MLS Cup? And so Leandro gave honest answers, as he typically tries to do. Today he said that he likes how the, the team is playing, he likes the formation, the switch to the 3-5-2, which happened because, I assume, because the team was out of fullbacks, uh, but also maybe because it's a formation that the team is comfortable with, having played it during last year's playoffs on the way to winning the MLS Cup. But, of course, Leandro's comments kind of set off a firestorm on Atlanta United social media of those saying Frank doesn't know what he's doing, Frank is losing the team, the team is winning – despite Frank, and I thought that I would kind of weigh in with some of my thoughts on some of your thoughts. Um, it's going to appear probably or sound a little bit mealy-mouthed on this podcast because I'm going to go both ways uh, because I try to be objective and present both sides. So here are the things that I know to be true. This team no longer has Miguel Albarra who was sold to Newcastle in the English Premier League. And Miguel, with his speed, tenacity, determination, technical ability, covered up a lot of holes uh, on Atlanta United last year. I think no one will deny that to be true. So Frank DeBoer comes on after Tata declines the option on his contract knows they're not going to have Miguel Almiron, I think realizes that Pitti Martinez is not Miguel Almiron, Ezekiel Barco is not Miguel Almiron, and decides to do what a manager should do and figure out a formation that he thinks is best going to fit the personnel that can be played according to the principles that he believes in to ensure the best success. Now, having said all that, things immediately got off to a a bad start when Franco Escobar, who Frank said was going to be pivotal to the plans uh, in, I assume, either a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2, suffered an injury on the first day of training camp. Things got worse when George Bellow, the fullback on the left side, suffered an injury in the CONCACAF Champions League. And so then these things keep piling up. Um, injury after injury, Ezekiel Barco, Hector Viaba, Kevin Kratz, George Bello. It just goes on and on. So Frank has still yet to be able to put his first choice lineup, I think his first choice lineup, on the field. Now, do I think they should have stayed with the three four three at the beginning of the season simply because they didn't have Franco? No. That still makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't think that was a good choice. Um I think that they had a month to get someone else ready to play that wing back role or that right fullback role. They still had slots available on the roster. The team could have made moves. I've been told by people who know the 3-4-3 is the absolute hardest formation to learn how to play. It's especially an odd decision considering they're about to go into an international tournament, but that's what Frank went with. After a few games, he decided or realized this isn't working, went back to a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-1-1. That kind of worked well for a while. Then the injuries started to pile up, and now recently they've gone to the 3-5-2. I don't think Atlanta United is winning in spite of Frank's tactics, though I just said sometimes I don't understand his tactics. You look at the things that he has tried to do. He has tried to be flexible. He has tried to work with the players. He's trying to put them in positions to succeed. Now, is it working all the time? Obviously not. Uh, they haven't won their last six road games. They've been outscored badly in those six road games. Um, You know, the, the game at Chicago, the first half was a disaster, much like the 12 minutes against LAFC on Friday last week were a disaster. But Frank has shown that he'll try to learn and that he tries to apply what he's learned to different situations. So I think that you'll continue to see some tweaks in things. Man management. That That's an issue that other people raise, and that's one, you know, that I can kind of understand and I can't understand. Uh, people down here are still questioning, People pundits, uh, people who've played the game, were still questioning why did he take out Pity Martinez when the team trailing against LAFC. I can explain it. That doesn't mean that I agree with it. And so I can understand why people question that. Why, when you're down uh, – Two goals at the time. Do you take out a guy who's supposed to be one of your better offensive weapons to put in another guy? Um, you know, Frank said that was the position that Barco plays, so that's where he went in. He'd already subbed out the left wing to boot. I think he probably needed to save another sub. And if you take out Emerson Hyman, for example, I think you risk losing six to five instead of four to three. But, you know, that's what Frank is paid to do. He says he doesn't mind making the tough decision. That's the decision he makes. I think the worst part about it is obviously he and Pitty do not have, I would think, a good relationship. Um, Pitty says they're working on it. He respects his manager. But Frank has called him out a few times. Frank has subbed him off a few times. It's obvious Pity didn't think on Friday against LAFC that he deserved to be subbed. Um He was exasperated. I think his teammates were probably exasperated looking at their body language, and it didn't send a very good message. I don't know if Frank explained it before the game to Pitti around 60 minutes. I'm taking you out to put in Barco. If he didn't, I would think he probably should have. Uh, I would hope that's something he would do going forward because it can really hurt a player's confidence and morale. Now, while Pitti hasn't developed, this season or or played this season, like I think everyone expected that he would, it's difficult to argue that some other young guys under DeBoer have developed. And these are players that Tata would not give time to. That includes Miles Robinson at center back, who's been probably an MLS best 11 this season so far. You look at, um, Excuse me, I'm sorry. Other players, George Bello was slotted in to start. He was Atlanta United's fifth-string fullback last season. You look at Darlington Nagby, whose offense has suddenly started to come to life under Frank, whereas it didn't under DeBoer, or as it didn't under Tata. That could be a change in tactics, for example, uh, compared to, to other things. Um, Breck Shea, who I know y'all like to bang on, I thought was a perfectly serviceable left fullback. Uh, in Atlanta United, he's not a young guy, but he's a veteran learning a new position. Uh, for example, Ezekiel Barco, who really struggled under Tata in his first year in Major League Soccer, really looked good. He was a, a best 11 type candidate before he suffered or before he left to go to the under 20 World Cup, uh, on May 5th or 7th, came back, uh, suffered a hard tackle at Columbus and was injured and just now has returned playing 30 minutes against LAFC. There's a bunch of guys like that that I think Frank has developed. Um, so I think some of the complaints about Frank probably aren't fair. I think some of them are fair. I've listed them here in the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Lenny United News Now. Uh, I also spoke with Howard Webb today about the Carlos Vela penalty in that game on Friday. I've tweeted out that link. I hope you'll read it. But just kind of going back to Frank for a second, I I think had Frank not experienced the lack of success at Crystal Palace and Inter Milan that he experienced, all these things being said by Leandro probably wouldn't have as much weight as they have right now. I think a lot of people still don't understand Frank a little bit. Uh, Some of the things that some of the other reporters were asking me today about him, that it doesn't look like he enjoys talking to the media, that he enjoys explaining himself to the media, for example, are blatantly wrong. Um, They weren't malicious uh, statements. It's just people who haven't spent a lot of time around Frank. Frank, to me, has always been good dealing with the media. He he tries his best to give his best answers and to give honest answers. Sometimes he's honest to a fault. I'm sure that Carlos Boca Negra and Darren Eels, would love for Carlos to maybe not be so honest with regard to player comments and, and tactics and things like that. But he is to his credit. He's some people have explained to me that's the Dutch way. They're going to be honest, whether you like the honesty or not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know enough about Dutch people to know if that's true or not. Um, but I, I think I think that if you look at the big picture. Frank is doing okay right now. Again, keep in mind, they haven't had Barco. They haven't had Tito. They haven't had Bello. They haven't had Kratz. They didn't have Franco for a long time. Uh, And when they do get Franco, he keeps getting yellow cards. Leandro Gonzalez-Perez has been suspended. Michael Parkhurst looks like he's lost a little bit of a step.
1: Uh, Eric Rometty
0: hasn't been quite the same player that he was last year. Uh, Pity Martinez. Who looked to be one of the fastest players on the field at the Copa Libertadores last year. Looks like he's carrying a refrigerator on his back when he runs right now. I, things I can't explain. Um, but Frank is having to navigate and the team has 36 points is only three points behind first place Philadelphia has scored 10 goals in its past three games. You can explain some of that away with DC United not having Mangrooney, Houston getting a red card. But they did score three goals against LAFC, which was the most I think anyone has scored against in the season, and probably could have scored six. Uh, Emerson Hyman's shot was deflected. Joseph had two chances that he normally puts away. So I think that things are slowly improving. I, I wish that people would use a little more reason and a little less emotion when talking about Frank's situation again. He has not done a perfect job by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think it's been as bad as a lot of people want to make it out to be. I do think that there's still a lot of potential for this season, particularly as these injured players start to return. And again, I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at United News. Now, thank you for listening to the Southern Fried Sucker Podcast. I'm Doug to for the Park. A road is just a road, but a Jeep SUV isn't just an SUV. Come see for yourself at the Jeep Start Something New sales event. During Owner Appreciation Month, financing at 3750 total cash allowance on select 2020 Grand Cherokee Laredo 4x4 models and dealer stock for longest. An oldest 20% inventory of 2020 Jeep Cherokee Laredo models as of one three twenty twenty in dealer stock. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 2-3-2020. Jeep is a registered trademark. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, yeah. lifestyle columnist.